So last week we finished up the paragraph uh, that was Solomon writing in what way about wisdom? Personified. Personified. And personification means that it's doing what? What's happening to it? Giving human attributes something in So it was kind of like wisdom itself wrote that paragraph. So Solomon, but he was writing it in a way that wisdom was just jumping right out at us from the words itself. So now he's going to rotate back to himself. And so let's go ahead and somebody read us one through uh, six, or one through seven. No, 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 sorry. One through eight. Can't read my markers. One through eight. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come a knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. So what's the overall point that Solomon is jumping right into in these verses? So again, he's, he's writing to his son, but yet technically to all of his children, and then God pushes it out over all believers. knowledge and wisdom like you would like silver and stuff that you, you would benefit greatly from it. So which is easier? Valuing God's <coughs> word or valuing silver and things like that? Valuing silver and things like that. Why, why is it easier to value silver and things like that versus God's word? Because it's tangible. Oh, we got, we got, that was great. <laughs> One at a time, though. It's tangible. It's tangible, okay. You don't have to work Okay. Is there like uh, another person over there? Just that mine. <coughs> what was it? Because I said Same thing? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So how do we change that? You know, how, how do we change our perspective, change our uh, approach to life to where we really value the Word of God uh, more than we do silver and things like that? First of all, you've got to read it. Okay. So... so Part of it is literally taking the time to read it. So let's talk through that just for a second. For somebody that hasn't really got into reading Scripture yet, what's a good place to start? The beginning. So Nate, in a loving you know, and tender way, uh, but misguided, uh, said, in the beginning, okay? Uh, we're, we're not going to go with that. I, I understand that many times, you know, you think, you know, I'm going to start a table of contents, and I'm going to go forward from that point. That is not what this class is promoting in any way. Thank you, Nate, for you know, giving us that tongue-in-cheek, of course, you know. I think it, I mean, it depends on somebody's spiritual journey mm-hmm. where they're at. But I know for me, I always struggled with the annual reading plans of mm-hmm. actually being consistent and getting through the whole Bible in a year. 
And so when it was suggested to do the New Testament, that was a much smaller, um, I can't say enjoyable reading, but it definitely felt like we could relate more to it mm -hmm. just based on uh, you know, reading through Jesus' life and, uh, and what we're <coughs> called to do. And so, yeah, that's where I, that's where I would start. Is, is yeah, I, I would definitely say if you're really just getting started into trying to read regularly into God's Word, do it in the New Testament. Because we want to create a situation of success. You know, we want to get you momentum. Would it be great to have the goal to be able to start in Table of Contents and read everything? Yeah, that would be great. But let's set a goal that's a little more attainable, more likely. Uh, I know for me, there were a number of years back in the day where I started with Genesis 1 there at the beginning of January. And come you know February or March, uh, I ended up stopping. And I always had this attitude, well, next January, I'm going to make it. And it would be like, I didn't read the rest of the year. You know, it was like, I could have just kept, no, no, I'm gonna, I, I got to start from the beginning. You know, don't, don't have that attitude that you have to start right there in the beginning on that. So somebody else, what your thoughts on what you would recommend for people to read if they're really just getting started? John, Luke, Acts, Genesis, Exodus. Okay, a little slower. Okay, so start again, do that. John. Okay. So, so, uh, so why? <laughs> just good answer. So I just want to play it together here. Okay. So why John? Person and work of Christ, and it's it's an easier, more story format to read through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would agree with that a hundred percent. That's always my go-to first book to recommend to somebody because we <clears throat> see Jesus, but yet uh, John is not one of the blank gospels. It's not one of the synoptic gospels. So when we say synoptic gospels, what does that mean? It tells the same story. It tells basically the same story. So if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you're basically getting the chronological story of Jesus and his ministry. But John's approach is a little different. He's much more just here's the main points, here's the story points, and he flips back and forth. We won't go into the details. But yet, it is normally an easier read to see Jesus first. All right? And then the next two you said? Luke and Acts for the story of the early church. More complete picture. Okay. So why is she putting Luke and Acts to read them back to back? Luke is the author. Okay. So same author being Luke. All right. Uh, now, I have a theory that, okay, so who's Theophilus? We'll throw it out there. So that's who Luke is writing to, all right? So do we know exactly who Theophilus is? No. We don't know exactly. Theories? Some kind of Roman official? Somebody else want to add in? So for me, my theory is that Luke was writing in defense of Paul. Uh, this is part of Paul's trials, and that he had to, Luke had to set the stage of Jesus first, and then the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament so that he would be able to defend what Paul was doing. Is that provable? It is not. Uh, but yet, that's just kind of where I approach that. So we got John, we got Luke, we got Acts, and then... Genesis, Exodus. Okay, and then you're saying go back to the beginning at that point. Well, pick up Genesis, Exodus, and then possibly back and hit Romans and Hebrews. 
Okay. So so Genesis, Exodus, because what do we get in there? The foundations. The foundation, the beginning, the story. And then you said jump to Hebrews. Romans and Hebrews. Romans and Hebrews. What do we get in Romans? Theology. We get a lot. <laughs> we get a lot. What's the context? Uh, well, who wrote Romans? Paul. So Paul wrote it. What's the context of him writing this letter to the Romans? <coughs> Say it again. How the gospel is given to the Gentiles and, and how that like, fleshes out. And, and it is. And he, he does want them to understand that. But why does he feel the need to write to them about all of that? To encourage them, because seemingly it seems like what happened with some of them. They were trying to work for their faith. They, they were adding things in because they didn't have a good foundation, because some of them went where and most likely got saved. You want to say? Okay. Translation with the speaking in tongues there was <laughs> seemingly some people from Rome went to Pentecost, all right? And they heard Peter preach, and the Spirit fell down, and they were believers, and then they went home to Rome. They really did not get the foundation in that short period of time. They were ignorance on fire, if you know that. <laughs> maybe you were that at one point, or you know some people that were at that point. They were saved, and they were gung-ho, but they were just they were rolling stuff in that didn't fit, and you know all that kind of stuff. And so Paul had heard about them, and so he basically gave them a systematic theology. When we read through the book of Romans, it's really a condensed version of what we need to understand, live out, and believe uh, So for our faith. And so, so that was Romans, and what was your next one? Romans, Hebrews. Romans and Hebrews. Why Hebrews? Um, really the transition from the Old Testament where you're looking at the promises of living by faith and what that meant to the completion of what that looks like in the New Testament, living by faith. And just a good segue to tonight's service at 5 o'clock. Uh, Elder Mike Germany is going to be preaching uh, through the book of Hebrews. All right? He's going to give you the whole book in one sermon. Uh, he's really going to highlight uh, what uh, Loretta was talking about there, seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, how Jesus is the culmination of the Old Testament, and how uh, that book to the Hebrews was trying to get them to see that Jesus was in the Old Testament because they had missed it. And um, again, another just thing, you know, get somebody to, to, to keep you accountable or to share with or to track with you if you're getting started on the Bible. Uh, if you are using a plan and it's a daily plan and you miss a day or two or three or ten, the next day just start at that day. Don't worry about going back and getting caught up. You know, I got ten days I got to get caught up on. You're not doing this for a grade. Okay, you're not going to get a quiz or a test on it. Uh, so just start the next day on that part. Because the, the goal is where you want to get into God's Word regularly. Uh, it's not that you check all the boxes off on a reading plan. Other just tidbits of wisdom on, on getting into God's Word and prioritizing it regularly. I don't know if this would be helpful to anyone else, but it was for me. When I found out that you could, that Proverbs, like you can just read the proverb of the day, <clears throat> I felt like that helped me just get, get consistent with getting into my Bible every day because it was so doable for me. Like even if that was all I read that day and I, I got to, to even the habit of like reading it to my children and that being our Bible time because it just, there's really no brain work to it. You just, like today, 
it's the second. I read Proverbs too, you know, so. Yep, and it's, there's 31. Yeah, it's not, it's not too long, so. Somebody else just got a word. I agree with uh, Shelby because being a Catholic and transitioning to Baptist was a big step and Catholics don't read the book. <laughs> so I started in Proverbs and it was very helpful. I could do it in chunks. <clears throat> Same, I had a Christian brother say, let's, let's, read, let's read through Proverbs together, like not physically together, but you wake up, I wake up, we'll, we'll both read, you know, whatever the proverb of the day is, and kind of jump-started me into that habit of getting into the Word first thing in the morning. He would shoot me a text, I would text back, nothing fancy, but, you know, that was kind of what ignited me and got me consistent. There's, uh, on kind of the practical side, um, having a set time and place, like, if you want to go to the gym, like you, you have a set place to go to. If you want to make something to eat, you go to the kitchen. Like have your Bible at the kitchen table or in the office or wherever. And like, okay, six thirty every morning. I'm gonna. I don't have a normal day until I've I've done this. I build that muscle memory. As a as a mom, that I do not plan a set time to get up before my kids. I don't do it. <laughs> so just if there's a mom in here that wanted to, needed to hear that. Um, but I do it at night before I go to bed so I sleep on it um, I genuinely use uh, I like the first five app if you've never heard of that it's for women uh, it's the first five and then uh, usually I don't just read the verse I'll click on it and whatever book it, and I'll go through that chapter of the book and then read what that person has to say about it but normally it's just read the book and then that's how I do it. So within that, you have a husband and a wife, all right, and you have two different game plans. The, the key is, contextually, we're not the same, all right? And so we've got to figure out, you know, how we're wired, what works best for us, whether it was in the morning first thing or whether it was in the evening before we go to bed on that part. Yeah. There's also, you know, so many people are busy and, and find reasons why they have a hard time you know, setting that time in the morning, but you're in your car. You can listen to it, if nothing else. Even if you can't read it, mm -hmm. there's Bible apps that will read it to you. And so there's, you know, plenty of time that we all spend time in our car. So, so it's really just kind of building in your own little system. Jason? I think one thing for me is uh, picking something that kind of interests you in your life. Maybe you want wisdom, or you want to learn more about history of the Bible, or something like that. Like, there's all different kinds of literature, so like picking a subject that you can relate to or something that you mm -hmm. want to learn more about, I think will help you in the find to stay in the word more daily. Good, good. Penny? I think uh, there's so many different ways. Like she said, listening to it, uh, reading it, uh, in the reading room, some people call it the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> and there's even the, the app on your phone. You can have uh, an entire Bible on your phone, different versions. If you just, and if you're those that say they don't have time, on your phone, just go to your screen time, right? And so, and that Bible app, you know, if it's, if you got Facebook, uh, Twitter, whatever it's called now, and you see how much time is on all those, and then, you know, the Bible app's way down here, then, you know, you're putting things before, you know, reading God's Word, so. And then you know, that's, that's on you, I'm not judging or anything, like, I did the same thing, but. 
I mean, I, I, one I, way to look I at heard it. the bus backing up as you were talking. <laughs> 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 All right, let's jump in the next section. Somebody picks up there at verse 9 go through 15. <laughs> Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked who are devious in their ways. So our is going to be just a little different. I won't slow it down quite as much now. We'll pick up speed just a little bit. I'm going to give you a paragraph or, or a pericope, as Pastor would say. And then as we're reading through it, then I'm going to circle back now. So within those verses, what was something about wisdom, about gaining that wisdom that jumped out at you in any of those verses? Makes for a more pleasant life. In what way do you think a more pleasant life? The description of living with wisdom is a description of a life without self-made problems. So what's the opposite of a pleasant life? A bad life. Yes. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A life of turmoil. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I got you, Pastor. I appreciate it. So, so life of turmoil. What What else is the opposite? Anxiety, stress. Anxiety, stress, yeah. Can I, can I ask a question? Go. So when I was reading, when I first read through um, Proverbs, I just had a, a awakening moment to what is wisdom? I don't know. Did we talk about that last week? We've talked about it a little bit each time in different ways. So thoughts on what is Solomon giving here, this wisdom? What is he talking about? It's not wisdom that, you know, just gaining knowledge, wisdom. It's so, so we're not just gaining knowledge, so what's the component? It's the application of knowledge gained. Yeah. You know, so, so what we have to understand is what he's giving us here. The Holy Spirit's guiding him again. Either it's coming through him or he's collected it. We're not going to say that all of these words of wisdom are straight from Solomon because we can see where some of it he pulled in. But through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, God is showing all of us that this is how you learn things and then you apply it within your life from a spiritual perspective, from God's perspective. In that. And so... Um, this is not the only wisdom. We got all the other 65 books uh, from that. Now, can God also give us wisdom through the Holy Spirit that might not be exactly from a passage of Scripture? Yes. He can do that. But I think what we should focus on most, though, is what He gives us in black and white and red. You know, because we can go back to it, we can see it here. Daniel. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, I mean, the, the definition of the fear of God, and even when it talks about these verses we just read, the most important thing gives you discretion, right? You know, that's the thing that pops out for me. Discretion in what way? Uh, you know, discretion as it applies to life. I mean, you know, God has his rules. You know, when you talk about the fear of God, you talk about wisdom, you know, a, a lot of the decisions you make, if that's, if that's your point of emphasis, that discretion is there. Whereas if it doesn't matter if it's money, Am I spending something for my own personal game or am I spending something wise? If I'm raising my kids, you know, am, am I judging them in 
a way that's in anger, or or am I instructing them in a way that which God, you know, every choice is a discretionary stoic choice, and where you, you know, follow a rule book close to what you know God provides, you see that discretionary discretionary reaction, discretionary communication, discretionary thought. Yeah, it's definitely playing out in each and every decision we make. There's something in it that, because it calls wisdom, uh, it's feminine, right? He does refer to uh, with feminine tense or pronouns, and so the conclusion that we came to in here was within language, often we do that to inanimate objects. Mm -hmm. It's not because we're making it feminine, but like ships or boats. We typically refer to them as her. Uh, so we do that with other contexts. So I think that's why he's referring to wisdom in the feminine. It's just a, a language idiom, not that he's making it feminine in any way. And I know there are, there are people out there that want to <coughs> play that card and play it in, but we're not going to approach it that way. <coughs> and it, I mean, it says in 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. So I, I think that goes into what you were saying where... Um, like he, he gives us discernment, he gives us wisdom, like the up, if we're called to be upright. Yeah. And, and again, the connection there of the upright is talking yes. about who? Persons. 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 Christians. Yeah. So again, just like Pastor was talking about in the 830 service, and if you didn't get that, you won't get it in the 1045 because Nate is preaching in the 1045. <laughs> yeah. uh, you have to go back and listen to it. When we're reading the Old Testament, we're reading it through lenses or glasses of the New Testament. And so Paul's writing in, I mean, sorry, Paul, uh, Solomon is writing in the Old Testament here, but yet we're reading through this from the perspective of he's talking wisdom. I don't think he really understands it exactly, but what he's giving us is scriptural wisdom. And so what he's given us is just a, one book of the 66 books, but yet he's giving us the understanding that they're all God's wisdom. The whole Bible is full of God's wisdom. And so we just need to rec recognize that. So that's where in the previous uh, uh, paragraph that we read first, I went straight to that thinking through the connection of wisdom in God's word being intertwined and that God's word is the key source of God's wisdom not just for this book for every book in the whole of life now we need the Holy Spirit going to guide us uh, we don't well, we don't need them the Old Testament people didn't have them and they could do it but yet since we do have the option to be a believer and have the Holy Spirit let's use the Holy Spirit you know, on that so anything else in that uh, 9 through 15 that just jumped out at you about wisdom? It jumped out to me that it's the second half of the if-then statement. So back to uh, the first couple verses of the chapter. If you receive my words, treasure my commandments, make your ear attentive and incline your heart to understanding. So, so the if-then then there's the head and the heart. So then skipping over to verse 9, then you will understand, so the head piece, righteousness, justice, equity, every good path, and wisdom will come into your heart. Wisdom is going to affect everything about us if we let it. The key is, though, if we let it. That's one of those that 
You know, yeah, grace comes from God, but yet we have to assume the grace and live the grace out. And so that's where we have to understand. We need to let his wisdom affect everything about us when we think through our definition of disciple, the thinking, the being, the doing, and the proclaiming. We've got to let God's wisdom affect us in all of those four areas because that is us. Our cognitive level, who we are at our core, what our actions are that we're doing, and then what is coming out of our mouth. How are we speaking? What are we speaking about uh, in that? So, yeah. The last four verses really talk about who you're hanging out with. Yep. Um, you know, we have to be really careful about um, the people that are influencing us. Yep. Very much so. So, challenge for you this week, <clears throat> if you've been reading in the Bible, keep going. would like to hear a word of testimony next week about something that just jumped out at you during the week. If you haven't been regularly able to get into the Bible, I want to challenge you this week. You know, try to get in there a little bit every day if you can. Uh, but we'd like <clears throat> to hear some testimonies about, haven't been able to do it, but this week, I got started, and the Holy Spirit got me, strengthened me, and challenged me, and I got it, got it going a little bit at least. You know, I, I was at zero the week before, but I did two this week. You know, something along those lines. Let me close this up. Father, as we're leaving out, I ask that you would strengthen our Bible reading for each of us, that we would truly be coming, growing as Bible self-feeders. And, Father, that we would be trusting you, that you're going to bring us wisdom through your word, and that we're going to grow from it and then be able to live it out. And as Brother Nate is going to be speaking today, just give him the words that everybody needs to hear and strengthen him, give him great confidence as he delivers your word. Just now I pray. Amen. Amen. Take it on, dude. <laughs>